It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner, sponsored by FantasyPoints.com. My name is Justin Varnes. I'm one of the IDP analysts at FantasyPoints.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. Someone else who's down with IDP is our other IDP analyst and projection specialist over at FantasyPoints.com, Mr. Thomas Simons. How are you doing tonight, Thomas? Hello, neighbor. I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, glad to have you back on here through the through the beauty of technology. Uh, you're uh, some you know three thousand miles away from me. I'm down in Atlanta. You're <laughs> up in Seattle, but uh, but here we are. It's like we're side by side. Indeed. So let's uh, we're going to break down uh, the preseason uh, week one action. We'll go over some notable injuries uh, and then we're going to wrap this up with some discord questions Some questions from some of our discord um, uh, mates there who are fantasy points subscribers who get kind of uh, elite access to everybody on the fantasy points team, including IDP. We've asked them to pull up some questions and hopefully some of these questions will resonate with you all as well. But let's dive into uh, the preseason. Season one action. Before we do, uh, we got a couple of things to preface uh, what what we might have picked up from from week one, right, Thomas? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to take week one with a grain of salt, and what I mean by that is many of the game books for the thirty-two teams had as many, if not more players listed as did not play as they were active. So you got a lot of teams who aren't starting their their main starters. Um, There's a lot of players who are not getting any action. It is only three preseason games, not including the Hall of Fame, which to me is not really a a preseason game. That's more of a scrimmage. Um, But the first three weeks, now there's only three weeks this year, so you're, you're looking at pretty much a lot of players who are just getting a lot of playing time who may who are bubble players or players that are back up, you know, second or third on the depth chart. So you ha- like I said, you have to take it with a grain of salt and understand that you may see some starters in there and you may see some trends early on in this first week, but what's going to really come out for you is going is going to happen in week 2 and most likely in week 3 and week 3 you're probably going to get starters going at least a quarter if not a half. Yeah, this is uncharted territory. This is the first time uh, the NFL has only had three preseason games. Normally, it's that third preseason game where we get uh, final confirmation on what we think is going to happen in the regular season. And that fourth preseason game is essentially a throwaway in terms of of starters. Uh, But this year, it's a little hard to tell. So we're hoping that at least week two, if not week three, turn out that way. What happens in week one, or I should say what happened in preseason week one this time, is that some teams played their starters, but only for a series or two. Other teams didn't play any starters at all on the defensive side of the ball, and others might have just sent out the starting linebacking core and not the safeties. So in terms of starters, we're dealing with a very small sample size, and often we're not privy to why the coaches might have sent out the starting linebackers but not the starting safeties. So uh, I agree with Thomas. A grain of salt here. Uh, but 
if you put together what we've read about training camp, what we've read from the coaches, what we saw in the draft, what we saw in free agency uh, in the offseason, we have these tea leaves kind of laid out. So we picked up some things that that either line up with that and, and start to build a narrative and say, I think we can push forward thinking that these guys are going to be where we think they're going to be. Or we might have gotten some stuff that created some cognitive distance, dissonance and said, okay, well, maybe we have to pump our brakes on that. So we're going to dive into some of those notes right now. Thomas, you want to start us off? Yeah, let, let's start in Buffalo. I, I know that last year when they had A.J. Epinesa, um, they didn't play him much in in his first year. And we thought, well, here we're, here we go again this year when they uh, drafted Gregory uh, Rousseau. And Rousseau is, is – having a great camp and he recorded a sack while starting for, for Buffalo against the lions. And he went up against the lions seventh pick overall this year in uh, Panay Sewell. So Russo, you know, he, he did extremely well and he had three total pressures, including a sack and, and on uh, he, he took 12 pass, uh, pass rushing snaps. And that, alone is is deviates from what the the bills did last year with Epinesa. So we're we're beginning to see that they're they're having or gaining a lot of confidence in Russo. Now, speaking of the Lions, they they went with a a, a two inside linebacker set and five DBs to start the game. Now, a note here is that it was Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone who wore the green dot um for the Lions in play calling. They were the starting inside linebackers. Yeah, uh, we've we've heard in camp that Alex Anzalone was going to be next to Jamie Collins, and Anzalone was going to wear the green dot. So, so to put our eyes on it in the first preseason game helps us believe that maybe Anzalone is one of those players who might uh, might be undervalued in your drafts. Now, um, Anzalone has had plenty of shots to have a, a three down roll uh, at Carolina and New Orleans, and has Indeed. never has never really uh, um, developed, but uh, particularly late in the drafts because he's almost forgotten about us. Not necessarily a terrible, a terrible stab there. Speaking of linebackers, uh, let, let's talk about the Arizona group there. Uh, Zavin Collins and Isaiah Simmons are indeed their starting inside linebackers. Now this confirms what we had heard all summer about Jordan Hicks basically getting moved out of that starting lineup. Both Collins and Simmons played well, and they seem to be comfortable as a duo in terms of working together. Um, and to me, the arrows are pointing way up on both of these guys. Sometimes when you've got these rookie linebackers, they get a lot of hype, and then you know before long they're uh, they're not actually out there playing uh, three downs. But uh, Collins wore the uh, communication helmet, the green dot, if you will, and both of those players are likely going to be three down options for them. So um, if I had to go with one or the other, it would be probably Collins because they they drafted him to be their, um, their every down play calling linebacker. And I believe it would be Simmons who might do a little bit more of the moving around. So I think Collins might be a little bit more uh, – might, might provide a little more value in terms of consistency, whereas Isaiah Simmons might be a little more inconsistent, but also uh, get a little bit more uh, big play opportunity. But I, I'm liking both of these uh, linebackers, and I also like what Arizona is doing on their defense. I think they're a little bit of a sleeper defense. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, one of the Discord board members, uh, Shemansky, posted uh, his current IDPs that he's been drafting, and Excuse me if I say he and they turn out to be a she, but this person has Chandler Jones listed as a defensive lineman. Now, as you had mentioned, these Collins and Simmons are inside linebackers, so they're they're more 
still going with their three, four base and, and Chandler Jones will be the, the edge rushing um, defensive uh, outside linebacker. And if you can get him as a defensive line or, or defensive end, all, all, all the more better for yourself. Now, as far as another linebacker, um, this one, a rookie in Cleveland is uh, Jeremiah uh, Uwasu Koromora is um, he's more of a linebacker with a box safety frame, but man, is this guy fast. He has blazing speed. Now we talked him up early on uh, this summer, early back in late July and early August, and he's living up to these expectations. Now it might take a few games to be more productive, but man, we, this kid is really special and he, he has the closing speed. Like you don't know, like you haven't seen very often. So while he may not be a big name for the Cleveland defense, I guarantee you he's going to have a, a a big involvement with them this year. Yeah, his dynasty stock is 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 rising rapidly and, and what we might see out of out of this out of JOK as they call him uh is he it might take him we've seen this plenty with with really talented linebackers they may not get a huge snap share to start the season but uh, we might, we'll watch this carefully. If we see his snap count start to pick up, this could be a mid or late season addition to your to your roster uh, as he kind of gets more and more comfortable in in that defense. Um, moving from Cleveland to Cincinnati, uh, another semi confirmation, if you will, about uh, a, a linebacker and their three down role would be Logan Wilson. We had been reading all summer uh, from beat writers, from you know, coach speak. Uh, from you know, from Wilson himself uh, about them try- really believing that when they drafted him last year that they he was going to be their future three down linebacker. Last year, of course, was a weird year, uh, you know, with with COVID and not being able to get a real preseason or training camp. He was slow to come on, uh, but they they handed him the keys of the defense. Now uh, he is their three down linebacker. He started and stayed on the field for all six of the starting defense snaps. <laughs> I know it's weird to say all six snaps. <laughs> But you know they'll play just for a series, and if if, if, if it all Wilson, goes back to that grain of salt, <laughs> it really does. But things to notice are if you know if a team believes that they already have that position set, they won't put them out there for any more snaps than they need to. So the fact that Wilson came off the field with the rest of the locked in starters means that they didn't feel the need to see how they didn't need to see more of Wilson. They they weren't unsure about whether he can take this role. If they were, they probably would have left him out there for longer. So uh, Wilson is another guy I think that's getting uh, undervalued just because this news isn't reaching IDP drafters fast enough. Um, so look look for, for Wilson to be somebody. Don't be surprised if he's not a three-down, 100-tackle option uh, for you this season. He's been, continued to have uh, strong practices. Um, and uh, you noticed some other sting- things, Thomas, about the, the Bengals game. Yeah, Cincinnati came out and, and they started five defensive linemen. Now, normally you come out with a nickel package or something like that, okay. But they 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 started five defensive linemen and they um they they basically uh didn't use more than two linebackers for almost I wouldn't say the the whole game, but pretty darn close to it. And you know that that that's an eye catcher when you you think about it. 
there's a a rookie that they drafted in Joseph Asai who looks solid for um, the Bengals, and, and he had a sack of Tom Brady, and he had a hurried pass on Blaine Gabbert. Now, he did suffer a wrist injury, which is something in the third quarter that you're going to have to pay attention to down the road. But because of these players that they've got now on the defensive line with Trey Hendrickson and Sam uh, Hubbard and Osai, these players are giving them the flexibility to use more of a five defensive line set or a nickel um scheme on, on their defensive play calling. And, and then that, that means that Jermaine Pratt and most likely obviously Wilson, but maybe Jermaine Pratt and maybe somebody else could be seeing the, the linebacker snaps, but for the most part, it would only be two linebackers. Now, go ahead. You got a comment on that? I was just going to say, if Osai pans out for him, and it looks like he's going to, you know, just a, a year ago, they, they lost, um, uh, uh, on his name. Oh, well, they obviously lost Geno Smith, um, uh, but he plays for the Seattle now. Who, who's the edge rusher I'm thinking Carlos of? Dunlop. Carlos Dunlap, right? right? So they lost these like veteran studs there, and then very quickly, and also they had DJ Reader, but then he got knocked out. So all of a sudden, they had a an extremely thin defensive line. Well, if if uh, if Osai ends up being the real deal, all of a sudden they've got a, a pretty deep uh, defensive line, which could really right. do wonders to help help this defense snap snap back, particularly in the run game. It becomes uh, one of their strengths. I mean, they have Larry Ogunjobi, they have Mike Daniels. Um, DJ Reader on the inside. They have Trey Hendrickson. They have Osai. They have Sam Hubbard. They they will go deep uh, on that defensive line, and and you don't be surprised if you see them run out five defensive linemen on a regular basis. Now, as uh, as we expected, Jamin Davis in in Washington on the Washington football team started at middle linebacker, and he took thirty four percent of the snaps. Now. He started in the middle with John Bostic and uh, Cole Holcomb starting at outside linebacker. So this is a trend that we saw happening in early in training camp. Um, we were hearing pundits talking about Davis handling the, the middle linebacker position. So um, did you see any of the highlights and see whether or not he wore the, the green dot? I, I didn't get to see that. Uh, but, uh, 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 that's something I'm, I'll do a little more research on. Shame so on us. <laughs> Um, uh, we'll just kind of, we're going to continue to discuss linebackers here because in particular, this could, these are big swings for us in terms of whether somebody is then, uh, an every down stalwart, uh, and potentially a hundred to 140 tackles or whether they're a rotational player, um, which could, you know, really swing things in, in most leagues. Uh, so we've, we talked about a couple of, um, battles that seem to be crystallizing for us. Things are kind of clearing up. One that's becoming murkier is what's going on in Philadelphia. Uh, Eric Wilson was brought over from the Vikings to kind of help solidify this new defense that they're bringing in. Um, and Alex Singleton, kind of the incumbent that 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 almost fell into that job last year, uh, just for uh, lack of any leadership or linebacker depth on the team last year. Uh, Singleton played well last year, and he's had a really good camp, and he he had a really good game uh, in in preseason. Eric Wilson, uh, on the other hand, didn't necessarily have a, a very good game. So Wilson is the presumed uh, presumed 
uh, linebacker target here, but uh, Singleton continues to play well. Uh, he might be more valuable and reliable if he keeps playing this way. Uh, Singleton had five tackles and just 19 snaps. So watching the battle over the next couple of weeks between Singleton and Wilson and who ends up being uh, the more productive linebacker and the linebacker that might stay out there on dime and dime plus packages will help us lean either Singleton or Wilson, or perhaps they'll both be equally productive, uh, but essentially don't count Singleton out just yet. Yeah, especially with the fact that Jonathan Gannon, who's their new defensive coordinator, came over from the Colts as the secondary coach. Gannon didn't, he's one of the people that brought in Eric Wilson and with him not performing well, uh, a lot of people are going to say, well, if Wilson's not performing well, they're going to slide TJ Edwards into the middle. I wouldn't be surprised if Singleton, like you said, when they go into to a three down linebacker um, call, Singleton stays, slides inside, and somebody like Davian Taylor comes in on the outside, whereas Wilson comes off the field. So that's something we definitely have to keep our eye on for the next few weeks and pay attention to because there's obviously a new DC, a new, new defensive coordinator working with the Eagles and Gannon, and he has ties to Wilson since they brought him in, but Singleton's obviously opening their eyes. All right, now we're going to, those are the, the big ones that we're going to spend, we wanted to kind of um, uh, delve into, but now we're just going to kind of go through some quick hits that either are um, not necessarily groundbreaking or uh, we just don't have enough evidence to 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 do more than just mention it. So we'll kind of spin through some quick hits here. Uh, Thomas, uh, why don't you get us started? Well, I'll start with the Raiders. Um, we, we've talked about Nick Kukowski uh, possibly sliding into the middle linebacker position with Corey Littleton going to the weak side linebacker spot. Well, Kwiatkowski wore the green dot for Las Vegas against Seattle. Um, the, the Raiders went with two linebackers set for most of the game. And even though Kwiatkowski only played, uh, you know, like you, like all the other teams, you play a certain number of snaps, a limited number of snaps. It isn't in, in an eye opener that he wore the green dot. Um, let's talk about what's going on in Dallas because this <laughs> is turning into a, a big mess. Um, they've got uh, we we know we obviously know they've had uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. They drafted Micah Parsons. Uh, Dan Quinn brought Keanu Neal over and swore up and down he's a linebacker now, not which is basically what he was before, not a safety. He's been running with the linebackers, and so now we've seen two games. For the Cowboys because they were in the Hall of Fame game. Now that first Hall of Fame game, those starters were on the field for what seemed to be about a snap and a half. So it, it, you can't really judge too much. But they played a little more this time. And um, we saw those linebackers get mixed up a lot. One of the things that stuck out to me was that in, in third and long situations, uh, that's when Neil came on the field. And we saw Micah Parsons and Keanu Neal kind of, kind of take over there. Um, and it does a couple of things to me. It, may, it makes me uh, – Van Der Esch is all but off my radar at this point. I am deeply concerned that Jalen Smith might, w- will be leaving the field on third downs. Um, uh, I'm deeply concerned that Keanu Neal might not play at all until those passing – obvious passing downs, which means – as a safety, you know, before he played every down and then moved up into the box uh, for those obvious passing downs, but he may literally stay off the field because they have other uh, safeties like Donovan Wilson um, who can who can play deep. They've got th- two or three other safeties there, so Neil might be only a third down option. Um, 
And Jalen Smith might only be a two-down option, but what it also is looking like is that Micah Parsons might be their their locked-in three-down linebacker, and he'll have more value than the three of those other um, quote-unquote linebackers put together. So that's one we're absolutely watching carefully come week two and week three. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that Neil was was more of a uh, you know third and long kind of option for them in this game. He did start at linebacker next to Parsons, but that was more of a, a not even a nickel. It was more like a dime package that the Cowboys ran out there to begin with. And as you mentioned, they, they're loaded at safety with Casey and Donovan Wilson and Darian Thompson and uh, Parker and Curse and, and the list goes on and on. And, and you're not quite sure how they're going to roll these guys out and who's actually going to make the team. But the only real sure thing that's looking like a sure bet is Parsons being a three down linebacker and the rest of them just getting playing time and sharing snaps. Now uh, on the, to to take this a little further down the road, I, I want to go back to that Seattle game really quick and Seattle and, and the Raiders. Um, Seattle, Alton Robinson and Daryl Taylor, uh, defensive ends flashed some real serious upside against the Raiders. Now their, their stats were so-so, and and but they they applied a lot of pressure, and they did it often. Um, this is an impressive note when when you consider that one of the the downfalls of the Seahawks defense last year was the lack of pressure. They got a lot of pressure inside, and and Cody Barton was one of the guys that benefited from this because he did have two sacks. Now, granted, it was against Raider uh, backup linemen, and it came in the third quarter. But it was pressure from Taylor and Robinson and handful of others that gave Barton the opportunity to rack up those sacks. And what's what's uh, noteworthy about that is that Barton is um, a, he's a backup for inside linebacker, and we saw last year that they started blitzing. Bobby Wagner more than they ever have before. And Wagner started picking up a few extra sacks uh, more than more than he's used to. So that's another indication that they're going to continue to blitz their inside linebackers, which uh, bodes well for not only Bobby Wagner giving him a little bit more big play upside than normal. And he's already somebody who who can can pick up extra big plays uh, with the best of them. Uh, but this could this could you know, double his normal sack count, but it also bodes well for uh, second-year player Jordan Brooks in terms of picking up some big. So, in big play leagues, you might go for somebody like uh, Jordan Brooks a little earlier, um, knowing that it seems like scheme-wise they are dialing up heavy blitzes for their inside linebackers. Um, we got another clue watching the uh, the Falcons game that uh, that indeed Eric Harris and Duran Harmon, they look like the starting safety duo for the Falcons. Uh, they've been running with the ones all camp and they sat out the first preseason game along with Grady Jarrett, A.J. Terrell, Foye Aluakon and D.J. Jones. Deion Jones. All of those players are clearly um, starters and Harris and Harmon, who have been running with the ones all all training camp sat with them as well. So this is an opportunity for us to pump the brakes a little bit on Jalen Hawkins um, and Richie Grant as well. It might be that Harris and Harmon are their uh, starting safeties. Uh, we want to see at least one more game with the actual starters on the field to, to, to know that for sure. But I'm certainly slowing down any um, drafting of, of Grant and Hawkins until I can see this uh, um, a little bit closer. Of these two, I would lean Harris because he's probably going to spend more time uh, uh, in, in the box than Harmon. Uh, but we want to see some more scheme before we know that for sure. 
Yeah, and one other note on Richie Grant, he's obviously a rookie. He did start. He did have three solos. But the fact that they didn't start Harris and Harmon could mean that um, the only way Grant really gets on the field is as a third safety. And with T.J. Green there, too, there's a possibility he could see limited snaps and be more of a special teamer this year. Um, I think what what you saw to start the game in, in, in New England is basically going to be uh, what you're going to get this year at their linebacker position. The Patriots went with uh, Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy as their outside linebackers. And they also um, went with Jawan Bentley and Donta Hightower inside. Now, Hightower is coming back from COVID uh, opt-out last year, so he that that's a big improvement for them. They did lose Raekwon McMillan, who's down for the year and is on IR. So uh, bottom line here is I just don't trust the linebackers. Yeah, as – the uh, the linebackers are so inconsistent in terms of production that that that's the only thing that is consistent about them. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I can't tell you the last time I drafted a, a, an inside linebacker from from the Patriots just because I you know I don't want the headache. I, I I don't know about you, Thomas, but I have I have this like list of players where I'm just I think to myself I just I I'm praying that anyone else in my league takes this headache <laughs> so I don't have to stare at that on draft day and and Hightower and Bitley are going to now it's not that they're not going to be productive I just I'd rather have some someone who is more consistent and I can I can bank on just because there's so many other options Correct uh, speaking of uh, more linebackers and some people that 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 have been inconsistent um, this is somebody that Thomas and I talked about over the summer and um this is another linebacker that I've been in some expert league drafts that go pretty deep, and this guy's not even getting drafted in those, and he could easily be a top 25 linebacker, and that's the Jets' Jared Davis. He wore the green dot uh, playing next to C.J. Mosley on uh, uh, in their first preseason game. Uh, D- Davis was a, was a top 20, top 25 linebacker when he was with the Lions before Matt Patricia spun his head around and spun that entire defense around. <laughs> He's getting a fresh start with the Jets. And if if uh, what we saw with him holding on to the green dot, uh, him and Mosley, they'll both be in position uh, to, to be fantasy relevant. And um, this is really a fresh start. It'd be amazed at what this can do for players. But it is still early. We want to see this some more, but there's a good chance that Davis is another one of these players that's going either completely undrafted or going super late in drafts that people will be clamoring for after week one or week two when he has like some, uh, you know, eleven tackle game and people forgot he existed. Yeah, and, and we we have to footnote here that with Robert Sala, Robert Sala taking over as the head coach and the defensive coordinator now being Jeff uh, Olbrich. They they're most likely going to go with a a hybrid defense that's not really a four three or a three four. The the Jets are well known for being a three four defense, but Sala ran a, a, a an oddball four three in San Francisco, and the, in this game particularly, they started four defensive linemen and only two linebackers, and they went with a nickel package to begin the game. So Mosley and Davis kind of played inside linebackers with Davis playing more of a middle role. And I think a lot of it has to do with Mosley's, you know, first game back from, uh, you know, after having a, a, uh, a difficult 
season last year, obviously, and being nowhere to be found because of, of injuries and, and the whole COVID uh, season being a, a disaster. You got to wonder if Salah is going to run out a 4-3 um, or a 4-2 with a nickel uh, option for this team going forward. Now, speaking of another quarterback, um, I mean, excuse me, another linebacker, the Ravens, Patrick Queen, has looked much faster and a lot slimmer uh, than he did last year in his rookie season. Now, he took 20 snaps in the preseason opener, and he was all over the field. He finished with four tackles. He had uh, two of those were for loss, and he had a sack. So Queen is looking like the uh, linebacker one stud that we thought the Ravens uh, were looking for when they drafted him last year. Let's move on to notable injuries. We're just going to hit these kind of quickly uh, in case they uh, they haven't made it across your wire yet. Uh, Thomas, I know you've uh, been keeping real close tabs on that. Who do we have? Well, in Dallas, Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle, dislocated his elbow and will miss six to eight weeks. Um, he'll probably start the season either on the PUP or the um, designated to return IR. Uh, Mac Wilson has a grade one joint shoulder sprain. He's a middle linebacker for the Cleveland uh, Browns. And speaking of Cleveland, their safety, Grant Delpit, suffered a setback with his hamstring injury, and he's now questionable for opening day. Now, J.J. Watt has been uh, hampered by a hamstring injury, and there is no timetable as to when he'll return. There is a good chance he'll return before the season begins, but that's something to keep your eye on. Now, Denzel Perryman is dealing with some kind of a strain. Uh, We're not quite sure what it is. But in the meantime, Josh Bynes, who just got signed by the Panthers, is taking his reps. So that's that's something to to keep an eye on. Um, Nick Bosa, uh, recovering from a a 2020 Week 2 torn ACL, is due back in practice this week. So... That's good news for the the 49ers defense. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, though, is dealing with a toe injury, and I believe it might be a turf toe. Not quite sure yet, but he's not close to being activated off the PUP list, and that's evident when they went out and signed HaHa Clinton Dix. Uh, And finally, it's Quinnen Williams, um, who had offseason surgery on a broken foot. Uh, He's due to come off the PUP list, or excuse me, he did come off the, the PUP list today. Um, thanks for that, Thomas. So in, we're going to now move to the last little section here, which uh, we got some questions from our, our Discord participants over at FantasyPoints.com. Uh, one of the ones was, uh, you know, there, there's conventional wisdom, which is which is that you want to wait as long as you can to draft IDPs in leagues that are pretty shallow for IDP, like one to three IDPs. But the question was, when should you target IDPs in a league where you start six? So like, you know, two DLs, two linebackers, two defensive backs. And what's the drop-off of offensive players to where it then becomes more valuable to take an IDP versus another offensive player? Thomas, uh, I, I know I have some thoughts on this. I want to get yours first, though. Well, one of the strategies when when it comes to a six IDP starter league, uh, one of the strategies I go into is to target a linebacker one in a defensive uh, end um, even though you may be just a, a DL, you usually go with a defensive end before you go DTs. Uh, I target them earlier than normal only because um, linebackers are, look, linebackers are becoming what running backs are to offenses in, in you know the last 10 years. You had a linebacker 
that was a three down linebacker. He was a stud. It was a middle linebacker most of the time. And you had 10, 15, up to 20 of these guys that you could count on. Well, now you're lucky to find 10 of them and you're stretching, you know, the tears start to drop off uh, when you start looking for a stud linebacker. So it's imperative that you get one early. Now I'm not talking first, second, third round. Obviously you want running backs and wide receivers. If you're, if you're doing an offense and you only have six IDPs that you're included in your league, Yes, you want to target offense, but you know you, you start looking for a linebacker in the anywhere between the fourth and the eighth round. And, and same thing with the defensive ends; you want to target a top one uh, within the first six to eight rounds. I think two things you can focus on. First of all, I I agree, Thomas. I, I'm I'm I always call them elite DLs. There's there's really only a handful of of defensive linemen who nowadays play every snap. They're, they put up tackles and they put up big plays. Uh, all of your defensive linemen will run hot and cold. It's just, it's just the nature of that position. Um, but, you know, there's always a handful of, of defensive linemen that could have one of those, you know, um, Aaron Donald or TJ Watt kind of seasons where they, you know, they'll, they'll rack up 20 sacks and I, I want a piece of that. Um, and the drop off from those to that next tier is, is pretty steep. Uh, when you get to a point in the draft, where you want to start thinking about taking these players. Here's a couple of pieces of advice. One, I'm almost always going to have, um, let's say 80% of my starting offensive lineup in place before I start worrying about IDPs. I I definitely want at least two running backs, at least two wide receivers, uh, likely a tight end as well. Quarterback is iffy, uh, but uh, that that's one part of it. Another thing that, that, that's a little bit more of a feel thing, but, but it's instantly recognizable and you'll know everyone who's listening to this will know this feeling. Um, there's, there, there can be a bell that goes off when you're sitting there looking at a group of wide receivers and going, uh, I, I, these yeah. guys all suck, man. I don't want any of these. I got, I need another wide receiver, but I, I don't know. Will Fuller. I don't know. All these guys, when you have that feeling, that's it. That little bell goes off and goes, you know what? I'm going to go take uh, Devin White <laughs> and, and and have a player that I'm happy to have and not feel like – and the same thing, where, you know, you get to the point with running backs, you're like, you know, I don't know, Zach Moss, I don't really know at this point. Devin when that happens – right, Exactly. Who, which of these two is going to come out of this? As soon as you get into that area, you can pivot uh, and and yeah, and, and grab a, a linebacker or, or, or defensive, a defensive end. If you're on the edges, if you're on either side of the turn, you I like when I'm in that position and I know I have a long time till it gets back to me, I will be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to my LB1 and my de- defensive end. I will grab them earlier rather than later. But if I'm not all the way out on the on the outskirts and if I'm anywhere in the middle, I prefer to let someone else take the the top linebacker and the top defensive end. I prefer someone else to start that run uh, because I I have a short list of players, but I know it's going to get back to me in time. Uh, and that allows me to push it a little bit with offensive players if I know that people have yet to even start taking a linebacker. But that's only if I'm drafting four through eight. Once I start pushing out to one, two, or 11, 12, I know there can be a long run until it gets yes. back to me, and I, and I don't want to miss th- and, those and that's, runs. That's critical when you're you're deciding whether or not you want to take somebody. And, and, you know, you have other things such as there's there's – 
so much depth at wide receiver this year that you can wait another another two or three rounds to to go after your your third or fourth wide receiver and still pick up a stud uh, linebacker or even a defensive end. And and then a lot of it does depend on the draft position. When you're in the middle of the rounds, you have the ability to come back quicker. But when you're on the front end or a tail end of a, a, a serpentine draft, you tend to be sitting there and waiting a long time and watching these players go off the board and going, oh, why didn't I take that player? Um. We got another question, uh, and I think this should be a, a fairly simple answer, but it, it does um, it does hit on something uh, that I think is important. The question is simply, is Jalen Brown a 100-tackle guy this year? And I think the answer is unequivocally yes, assuming health. I mean, Jalen Brown is – uh, uh, one of these linebackers who you know doesn't carry the name of a Devin White and a Roquan Smith and doesn't quite put up those those type of numbers, but he's you know he has a, a locked in every down role on a defense. Uh, he might he probably isn't going to give you 140 tackles, but Jalen Brown is the perfect linebacker too, in my opinion. He has a locked in role. You know, David Long is a is a player that they've you know, been bringing in from time to time. Uh, and he's, he's subbed in for Brown when, when Brown got injured, I think long is a solid player. Uh, but I don't think they believe he's any threat to Brown's position. I also love Rashawn Evans next to him, but they, but they like to use Rashawn Evans a little bit more creatively for a lack of a better term. And that kind of creativity in terms of moving him around and putting him on the edge at times, uh, usually causes some inconsistency. So the Jalen Browns, the Alexander Johnson's possibly the, you know, Alex Singleton's and the Logan Wilson's, these players who are, who are, you know, becoming rarer and rarer that they're out that we get a linebacker who's out there for every snap. These are the perfect guys who are going to be stalwarts as your LB twos. Uh, they just don't quite carry the, the the big names. I'm totally happy to wait for a Jalen Brown for my linebacker too. Yeah, and the thing with Jalen Brown is uh, the last two years he's missed some playing time. Um, two years in 2019, he only played 14 games. Had he played, and he ended up with 93 total tackles. Had he played 16 games, he would have had about 115 tackles. Now last year he only played 10 games and still had 72 tackles, which was a an earmark for 122 tackles if he played 16 games. Now keep in mind that this year they've added another game, so he gets 17 games. I, too, agree with you. I, I believe that what's around him and if he plays, uh, stays healthy and plays a, a full 16, 17 games, yes, he will hit 100. Yeah, and uh, we keep saying Jalen because that's how it was typed, but obviously Jayon Brown is who, who, yes. who we're referring to. Uh, but, yeah, he's 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 in, he's in a package of, of – you know, for lack of a better term, no-name linebackers who don't get um, showcased as much on ESPN or Monday Night Football, uh, and and will often drip too low in drafts. Um, and I love to sit there and catch uh, him, Alexander Johnson, those types of players. You know? Yeah, and that that was Vicus Vicus O seven who brought up the Jayon Brown. Now I am not sure if I'm getting that name right, but speaking of names, we'll go back to the. Uh, the Discord board member Shemansky, who asked about late round DB sleepers, and I think what we can do is talk a little more about sleepers in general. 
Yeah, I'll start with some defensive backs, and then uh, if you want to uh, cover some other um, uh, sleepers that you had in mind, Thomas, I think that'd be great. Cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of, uh, depending on league size, uh, two players who I think, uh, if you're drafting, you know, two, one, two, possibly three defensive backs, but mainly one or two defensive backs, these are late rounders that are getting a little bit ignored. First one is Eric Rowe. He's uh, from Miami. He's likely going to be the more active safety in Miami over over rookie Javon Holland. Uh, the last couple of years went since Rowe has transitioned from a cornerback to a safety. He's done it the last two years. Uh, he's put up between 80 and 90 tackles and, um, and about 10 pass defense uh, per season. Uh, and I think they really like him in that role there in Miami. He's a veteran. Uh, which means he's he's going to feel comfortable in that defense, not make any sort of rookie mistakes. Uh, he's got a lot of um, a lot of snaps under his belt, but as a quote unquote veteran, he's still just twenty eight. So uh, he definitely has a few more years. This is not some sort of situation where you've got a thirty one, thirty two year old quote unquote veteran safety whose legs are probably starting to fail on them. So Eric Rowe to me is a name that is, is um, falling too far in drafts. Another one uh, continue. This happened last year. Uh, I know he's had some inconsistencies in the past in terms of how they've used their safeties, but this is uh, safety Daniel Sorensen for the, for the chiefs. Juan Thornhill, somebody who was one of their starters last year has really struggled in camp. And uh, he's, I think, Thornhill's going to have trouble even making it on the field for three safety sets. They've been running Sorensen as a starter this year. Sorensen next to Tyron Matthew. When Sorensen, uh, quote unquote, uh, starts, he's a 90 to 100 tackle guy. Last year, he played 15 games. Uh, not all of them did he start, but he was on the field a whole bunch. Uh, he had 91 tackles in those 15 games as their quote unquote third safety. So the fact that he's looking like a starter uh, means that we could be, you know, anywhere from 80 to 100 tackles from Daniel Sorensen. Um, he's in a good place to uh, meet or exceed what he did last year. And last year he was a solid DB too. Uh, now I'm going to go a little bit deeper. This is for more like three or four DB leagues. This is a this is a deep deep sleeper, and that's Antoine Brooks Jr. out of Pittsburgh. They've been using. Brooks, uh, who was really drafted as a safety and might be a safety in your league, but they've been using him in the slot. He's played really well there. Um, he played 23 snaps in, in the preseason first game. He got two quarterback pressures and and didn't allow a single completion on his in his 23 snaps. He could be their new Mike Hilton. Remember, they let Hilton go. But if you remember last season, Mike Hilton, uh, you know, seemingly came out of nowhere. He was getting sacks. He was getting big plays. He was getting tons of tackles. If they use Mike, if they use Antoine Brooks in that Mike Hilton role, that could be one of those names that everybody's clamoring for at the, at the beginning of the season. The note I want to add is that Cam Sutton is the player who took over the Mike Hilton role last year, but they, uh, from what I've read, they've, they've tried to get Sutton to focus only or exclusively on the outside. So Sutton should be their outside corner and Brooks should be the slot corner if this holds throughout the rest of the preseason. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go and attack the linebackers real quick. Um, in leagues that are going to be um, one to two linebackers, uh, I, I would obviously, we mentioned Logan Wilson, and, and we mentioned the fact that he's a three-down linebacker. He has the potential to to be a 90 to 95 tackle um, 
linebacker i would call it a low end linebacker one and and you can probably get him later in your drafts because people aren't in tune with with exactly uh, where he's going to be playing or how he's going to do um as far as a three down linebacker you know it's the same thing can be said with Micah Parsons in in that people are becoming more and more aware of of Parsons being a, a the go-to linebacker now in Dallas. So his stock in the ADP is rising very quickly. So it's going to be hard to get Parsons later in a draft and count on him. There are a few, uh, a few others that, um, you know, the saints intrigue me because of the, the saints have a couple of linebackers that I'm really starting to pay attention to. And they're in deeper leagues. You know, they just re-signed Quan Alexander. Um, and, you know, this this is a guy who, when he was playing full-time, was a stud. But obviously there's there's been issues with injuries and suspensions. And, you know, this is a guy that you really can't count on. But if you're in a three- or four-linebacker league, he might be somebody you want to stash as a third or fourth. Same thing with Pete Werner, who's out of Ohio State, that they just uh, – drafted this year and and there's a good possibility that Werner starts in the middle for them. So he's somebody to keep an eye on uh, in the second, especially the third preseason game. And if he, if he's starting as the the middle linebacker, that's somebody I would go after in these deeper leagues. Uh, One other note, go ahead. You want to follow up on these three? No, 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 go ahead. The other linebacker that I wanted to mention uh, we had mentioned earlier was um, Iwasu Koromora on Cleveland. I mean, this kid's blazing speed. Um, he can supply you with a lot of sacks along with huge hits. I've seen the highlights on this guy, and he's a big-time thumper. But he has that amazing, rare closing speed. Uh, there was a play this past weekend where he got cut down at the line of scrimmage, but he bounced up and turned around and chased down a wide receiver on a short flare pass. And what should have been a 5 to 10-yard gain turned into no gain at all because he closed four yards in like a second. Boom, there he was, bam, down he went. It's been It's been a lot of fun finally getting to see some football action this week. Uh, I know they're just little little morsels, um, but it's been a fun little investigation to try and solve these, uh, you know, these puzzle pieces of, of what we picked up from training camp, what we've seen from the draft. And, you know, you read all this stuff and until you actually see it out on the field, uh, you know, a, a lot of it is just, you know, conjecture or just, you know, what you think might happen, but you're obviously not in the, um, in the in the coaches' rooms uh, or in the practices, you're just picking things up here and there. So it's been yeah. really great to watch some football. We're going to be back next week and then the following week to uh, to dig a little deeper and see if we can't uh, make even more sense of some of these position battles, uh, clear up some of the murkier ones, and and help you get in front of your league makes with some of these players like possibly uh, Logan Wilson, etc. Um, so for my colleague. Thomas Simons, my name is Justin Varnes. Remember, we are the IDP analysts over at Fantasy 
Points.com. If you are a premium subscriber, you get Discord access to not only us, but John Hansen and uh, Joe Dolan, Graham Barfield, uh, on and on, Tom Brawley, uh, Scott Barrett. It's it's a it's a pretty stacked cast there, and we're honored to be a part of that. Um, and they've got great great content pouring out on the offensive side of the ball as well. We're just we're just happy to handle the defensive side of the ball. We're going to see you guys next week. And Thomas, uh, hope hope your week goes well. Anything you want to add? Yeah, be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.